0: The biggest difference was shifting budgeting based on what I have to budgeting based on what I was creating. And here's what I mean by that. I said it earlier, but if I have a great month, great, I get paid more and then I can I'll buy a new laptop or like money in money out. So here's the surprise. The misbelief I had early on in my business was the more money I make, the less stress I'll have. Right? Or the, the more opportunities I can create, making more money will just solve my problems. When in fact, it was the habits that solved the cash problems.
1: A consistent lead of clients definitely helps any entrepreneurs to have the financial predictability that they need in their business. But that only shows one side of financial predictability which is bringing in a cash inflow to the business. The other side of financial predictability is managing your cash outflow. This means you must know your business priorities and aligning your business priorities to long-term financial planning beyond 12 months. When you start planning beyond 12 months, the future financial story of your business will come to life. And you have the power, you have a profitable business. If you are new here, welcome. I'm super excited that you find this weekly business finance podcast. In the last few months, my guests and I have discussed the processes around financial self care, financial clarity, financial confidence, and how to align your why to your financial vision. So I invite you to check those episodes inside kristinashahli.com so you can build the foundation of this month's topic of financial predictability. Also, while you are there, check out the bonus episodes where I share short and practical business finance tips. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. I am your host, Christina Shahli. My guest and I take you behind the scenes and into the inner workings of our businesses, sharing the good, the bad, and the truth about the money we have made or lost and recovered as entrepreneurs. And all because we want you to see how you can live a freedom lifestyle using the power of finance to build your business dream. This week, I had the pleasure to meet with Dallas Travers. She is the creator of the Client Search Program and the Six-Figure Coach Clubs, where she helps her clients demystify marketing and communicate their genius. Let's find out the process that Dallas implemented to scale down her business, yet continue to create financial predictability and work fewer hours. Dallas Travers, welcome to her CEO journey.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here.
1: I'm happy to have you here because I know your journey is very different. I know you told (laughs) me earlier that you live in LA for 15 years. You built three businesses. So can you please share your CEO journey? And then why did you choose actor (laughs) as your first client? Right. right. I know you're not an actor because I read it.
0: So please share that. I guess the best place to start would be from the beginning, because this will address the question about why I focused on actors. Mm-hmm. So I was living, I had graduated college and I was bartending, right? Which sounds about right. And I got this job opportunity to come to Los Angeles and work at a talent agency. Okay. Which sounded very exciting. Oh to yeah, me. LA hey. and
1: talent agency, who does not want that? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm 21 years old, like had nothing really going for me at the time. It sounded perfect. So I moved down there pretty quickly, did not do any real research, right? So I moved down there and I worked for this company for three weeks and discovered that this was not a legitimate talent agency. This was a scam operation that essentially would posed as a talent agency, they would have these open calls for actors to come in and audition. Okay. Of course, they would promise to be your agent, but you had to spend a bunch of money on photographs. So, they were just a picture selling house, and that's where they made all of their money. Oh. And it made so much sense to me why they hired me because I didn't know anything about the entertainment industry. And I also, I have a strong work, work ethic. I'm really good with people. I was the perfect patsy <laughs> for, for this company because I didn't know any better, right? Okay. So it took me, like I said, three weeks to figure it out. And then I was young and stubborn. So there was no way, Christina, I was going to move back home and admit to my mom that she was right. This job was too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> because your mom warned you? That oh, it was- yeah. Oh, it just was so super fishy, right? <laughs> she knew (laughs) (laughs)
1: did you even have anybody that you know in LA like how why suddenly you just
0: the person I got the job from was someone who I didn't know well I had worked with him at a retail job when I was in college but he worked there too he was like one of the head people
1: oh my god okay Dallas okay
0: continue on So this is a great story, too, especially because we're talking about financial health in a business. I remember the first payday. So it was payday, and I'm sitting at my desk, and all of a sudden, I just see people running down the hallway and out the front office door. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Well, all the employees, it was a mad dash to get to the bank first and cash your check because there was never enough money in the account for everyone's check to clear <laughs> Holy cow!
1: seriously. Wow. That's yes. a flow issue. Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just <laughs> madness. Right. Anyhow. So three okay. weeks later I left and I thought I got to figure out what I'm going to do here because I'm not going back home. So I just kind of bounced around for a bit. I worked at a modeling agency for a, a bit and just kind of in the entertainment industry as a, uh, like as an assistant. But I was really inspired actually by this company because I was seeing so many actors who felt it was their purpose on the planet to be a performer. They just, it was very meaningful to them and they were so clear and passionate and confident about their art, yet terrified about anything related to the business Mm -hmm. and therefore they got taken advantage of right they just ignored their intuition because in their minds they just thought i'm not good at business i don't know how this goes i don't want to worry about it and yeah. so they were getting ripped off so i my first company i was almost 24 years old was a marketing service designed to help actors get legitimate representation so i would i just researched everything i could about every agent or manager in the city i knew everything about each company. And then actors would come to me and based on where they were at in their career or their the type of roles they would play, their work ethic, personality, I would hand pick a list of about 30 agencies. Then I'd put a little press kit together. I had this super handsome courier. This is why it worked. He <laughs> was like so charming and handsome. Of course, people are going to open mail from him. Anyhow, he would deliver these packages and the business was quite successful. I, I helped about 30, 35 different actors a month find legitimate representation. So that's how I, that's how I found my way into working with actors. It, it must have been meant to be because it was very accidental and a little bit shady. Right? <laughs> I have this dark history.
1: <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you, you got 30 clients. Your mm-hmm. business basically exploding. And then within what time period that you find that?
0: I had this idea for this marketing service and my sister, Tracy, I'm so grateful for her. She took out $15,000 zero interest uh, balance on a credit card and gave me me 15 grand. I had two years to pay it off before she started having to pay interest on it. Okay. So I had this, and to me back then, $15,000 was like $15 million. It felt like so much money to me. Right. Yep. So I had a full-time job and then on evening before work, after working on the weekends, I would go in and just work my little tail off to get this business up and going.
1: Oh, so it's a side hustle at the beginning. Yeah,
0: for okay, sure. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And it was, I didn't know what I was doing from a marketing perspective. Uh-huh. And so it took a while to get my first client. But one beautiful thing about that world is it's a word of mouth world. So I got one client. His name was Jeff. I got him an agent right away. And within the month, every other actor at his acting school was a client of mine. And so I went from zero to you know, 40 or maybe 60 monthly clients. They were You'll laugh. They paid me $40 a month for this service.
1: Yeah, I know it's so funny. It's so cute. Okay, how did, I know it is cute. How did you even come up with $40? Okay. So is that like the market rate? Did you even think about, okay, what do I want in a month? What no. do I
0: need? No. So, okay. okay. This is so, I'm, I i haven't talked about this or thought about this in so long. I'm enjoying this conversation so much. Yeah. Thank you for asking. In my mind, first of all, there was nothing like this that existed. Oh, I believe that. Right? <laughs> Probably <laughs> for good reason. But in my mind, I thought, okay, how much money could someone willingly give up in a week? And I, for me, it was like $10 a week. I could justify that. So that was where I came up with $40 $10 a week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay, and then? Because I know you hit six figures with that business.
0: Okay, so it was $40 a month. Then it, it was getting great results. So eventually I got the price up to $75 a month. Within how long? That's blurry. Okay. Within the year, I okay. would say. From okay. the time I got my first client, maybe two. From the time I got my first client until we were like rocking and rolling, it was about 18 months. Okay, got it. And I had... Yeah, one hundred and thirty people, one hundred and fifty clients at seventy five bucks a month. Yeah, so there we had it, right? This little six figure business, me and my two dogs, and an intern, and just working away.
1: And then you left your job.
0: Yeah, I left my job. I left my job when I started making fourteen hundred dollars a month.
1: Because that pretty much you're thinking, okay, that replaced my income, or maybe it's even higher than you know my income. Okay, and then
0: you hire people because you said that you have somebody. Oh, please. The first thing I did with this $15,000 loan from my sister was hire an assistant. I rented a big office.
1: But you were still working. You're not even going to be in that office.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I rented an office and I hired an assistant, okay. <laughs> which 12 weeks later I let her go because we were sitting in the office. Like I didn't have any client. It was so silly, right? Oh, <laughs> But I needed, I needed somewhere, I, I did need an office because clients would come to me and drop off materials and I, they couldn't be coming to my apartment. But I downsized into a tiny little office that I could afford and I let my assistant go and I figured it out. So it's, it really is, I credit that, that success to strong work ethic and total naivete. I had no idea what it actually took to run a sustainable business. So I jumped in with both feet. Had I known then what I knew now, I don't know that I would have Ooh. even thought it was a good idea. That's a right?
1: very good point though.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: maybe not knowing, sometimes it's better. Because you you, know, you took all the risks, I'm assuming. You took yeah. $50,000 that. Did you ever pay your sister back?
0: I did. so 15 one five not just oh yeah I, I paid my sister back the first year we hit seven figures she got a nice founder's bonus and that felt so good
1: right okay so you bring this actor this marketing agency to help actor to find an
0: agent to a six figures and then you were able to pay yourself And I was able to pay myself. I also, at that time, by the time we got to six figures, I also had an assistant who worked about 30 hours a week for me because this business required, it had some overhead. I had a pretty expensive courier bill every month. I needed an office space. And this audience, the acting community, I find requires more customer service than perhaps some other other communities. I want to talk for a moment, if you don't mind, about yeah. the debt that I acquired okay. at, during the same time, because I just think it's important if, if for any of your listeners, yes. if you have found yourself in debt, yes, like there is light at the end of that tunnel.
1: Okay, can you please elaborate that? Where did you see that light at the end of the tunnel? Because a lot of people, they, you know, they feel scared to take on debt. And then when they have debt, they want to make money right away. And then so it's kind of like you're going in through this hamster wheel, you know, like you want to pay off your debt, you need to make money. But a lot of people are also saying, if you keep thinking about making money, making money, you're not going to make the money. So, you know, like shed the light there.
0: Yeah. So for me, and this is not good advice, but I had to compartmentalize my relationship with my debt a little bit. Otherwise I was, I was just going to quit. So what I mean by that is I, I had a very clear conversation with myself looking at my debt. I knew I was always going to pay my sister back. I had this monthly payment that we had worked it out. So over two years, what did I need to give her in order for her to, for that loan to be paid off in time, mm-hmm. everything else, I just did my best. And the agreement, I, so I've made minimum payments. There were months where I missed payments, you name it. My, my credit score got all the way down to 500. And I just told myself, I believe that this is possible. The debt is not going anywhere. I'm going to do what I can. And it's, gonna, it's going to get paid off over time. And it took about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a lot of debt. It was maybe $30,000, but it took about three and a half years of doing my best and not letting myself think about it outside of those monthly bills that I paid. I just did not give the debt any of my mental energy. And I also refused to define my worth and my future by the debt that I had acquired. So I didn't beat myself up over it, Mm -hmm. which was hard. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't let the debt be my motivation. Mm-hmm. I just really understood one of my credit cards was Capital One. And I just remember thinking, Capital One is not going anywhere. They know I owe them money. Mm-hmm. They don't mind that I'm making the minimum payments. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to let that be what it is. And so I feel like my emotional bandwidth and my creative bandwidth was bigger. Because I just didn't allow myself to go into my story around debt. Do I recommend that you acquire debt in your business? Of course not. It was painful. There was one point where I didn't have a car because my car broke down and nobody was going to give me a car loan. (laughs) But I just, it's like I put myself in a bubble to protect myself from all of the, the stories or the shame Mm -hmm. Right. Or that fear motivation that can creep in so easily Mm -hmm. when you find yourself in, in debt that feels unmanageable.
1: Okay. I want a little bit, uh, a recap. So basically when you started that first business, you borrow money from your sister, Mm -hmm. uh, $15,000, correct? Right. And then from what I'm hearing on top of that, you're also taking out money from your own credit card. Is that the case?
0: Yes. And I okay. think I even, I had some credit card debt before the business started. Right. And it just kind of crept up on me and came a, a culmination of probably about $30,000 on, on top of the 15 I owed myself. Okay. But
1: yeah. then the thing is that your business is making money. Mm-hmm. You're saying that your business is making six figures. You are able to pay your basic expenses. I'm assuming you're paying yourself. You didn't have a process to pay your debt. Is that what you are saying? Or where is the money piece coming in here?
0: Good question. So this debt, I'll call it my come to Jesus moment with my debt. There was this two-year period when the business was first starting, right? Mm -hmm. Where I wasn't making six figures yet. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And it
0: was during that time Mm -hmm. that things felt really messy and unsure, And Mm -hmm. I believe that the reason I was able to get to six figures Mm
1: -hmm.
0: was because I put my debt in a box. So now let's fast forward to when I am at six figures with this first business. Then I did the method that I followed to pay off my debt. This Mm -hmm. is like Susie Orman style, right? Mm -hmm. I took the card with the lowest balance and Mm -hmm. I paid that one off first and then the card with the next balance and I, I got it. I got it done. So basically... That means, you know, you kind of like work with
1: your mindset, mm-hmm. right? To make sure that it didn't stop you from moving forward. It, yeah. did, it didn't define you of who you are as a person, right? But okay. at the same time, what I'm hearing, you combine that with a process, right? Because now you have a process. You're saying, okay, here are all my, you, you have to look at your number. Because if not, mm-hmm. how would you know which one you have to pay first? So Mm -hmm. you're implementing a process. Okay, this is how I'm going to pay down a process. So what I'm trying to get at is here is this. You need a mindset work, but at the same time, you also need a process to work together with that mindset. Mindset alone, I don't think it's going to work as powerful if you don't combine it with a process.
0: Well, I agree with you. And here's why. If it was just mindset alone minus the process... What would happen is I might have a great month in my business. So mm-hmm. I might put a big chunk of money or toward one credit card or all mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. but not really be able to see a measurable difference over time. And so then what happens the next month mm-hmm. when I have a slower, slower month, Mike McAllowitz calls this bank balance accounting, yeah. right? Profit first. It, it's the process that really helped me stay motivated to pay the debt off. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Okay. So now let's move on to your second business. What happened?
0: Yeah. So as I was working with actors, they started coming to me asking for career advice and I had no idea. I was never an actor, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I would just give them sound advice that I was learning from the entrepreneurial books that I was reading or just following my intuition. And it ended up being advice that was unorthodox in this industry, which I didn't even realize. So A lot of actors believe that they're the artist, right? And their job is to like obey the rules and an agent will get them work, right? And they don't, they're not really active participants Mm -hmm. in acquiring their own opportunities. So I was giving them advice about how to acquire their own opportunities Mm -hmm. and it was working for them. So I started really getting turned on by the idea of coaching, right? And really giving people guidance rather than doing the work for them. So you'd come to me, I'd partner you with an agent and then you'd just, hopefully the agent would get you work instead of coming to me and learning, okay, how, how could you go and get these opportunities on your own? So I got a life coaching certification and I started teaching workshops and doing private coaching for actors. So that was over the course of a few years and just really... Uh, focusing on word of mouth referrals and creating a structured referral system huh. so that I had a pretty steady flow of leads coming in all the time
1: mm-hmm. without
0: any advertising costs. Hmm. And then I published my book. Oh, the Tao. So this was in 2007. So six years after I started that marketing service.
1: Six years after you started. You wrote book.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. And- So I wrote a book and at the time I had probably about 165 monthly retainer clients for the marketing service. And then I had probably the same amount of people who had graduated from one of my courses Mm -hmm. and only two people who were marketing service customers bought my book. And what I realized was I'm not empowering them to create opportunities. These people don't even know all of these other expertise that I've developed. They just see me as the lady who gets their headshots delivered. So I made the decision to shut that business down. Like I didn't want to sell it. I was just done with it because I started to see it as not helpful as really part of the problem.
1: Basically, you were an agency for them. But what you really want is to help them to help themselves, like to, to work on their
0: own, to, is that, is that? Yeah. If you don't know the entertainment industry, it's a little bit hard to understand the intricacies, but let me just say this. I think that a lot of people encourage actors to take a passive role. Mm-hmm. right with their own career you're the talent so we're going to manage your career you oh. just you get good at acting and we're going to take care of everything else okay. and what I discovered Christina was I was doing the same thing Great. Right, you come to me I will take care of finding you an agent who will then take care of getting you work mm-hmm. and it wasn't Helpful. Instead, I wanted actors to see themselves as able to find their own agent, as able to produce their own projects, as able Mm -hmm. to find their own job opportunities. Okay,
1: I think you want actor to take their career as their own business, and then they feel the power that even if my agent leave me. I can still find another agent. I can still find another job that's going to better myself. I'm not depend on that one person and then let them take care of me. What is your book? I know it's called the, the Dial of Your Business. So when you launch that book, is the book giving them all the tools? And then when they read that, that they just didn't think like, oh, I don't want this. I don't want to do it myself. Is that what it
0: is with the book? So the book was really a roadmap for giving actors tangible steps they could take every day in order to feel as though they are in charge and also see, like move the needle in their business. Got it. Almost like an entrepreneurial roadmap for actors. The book came out in February of 2007. By December of that year, the marketing service was gone. In 2008, I increased my business revenue by 101%. With essentially a brand new business, not really because the coaching I had been doing it, but I the coaching revenue at that point was like thirty thousand a year, and the marketing service was high, like close to two hundred.
1: You basically cut down a quarter, you know like two hundred and fifty, let's say, like it's about two hundred and thirty thousand, and then you cut it down to thirty thousand. yep. and then you build that within a year
0: to just to- under five
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So uh, what I want people to take away from this is first of all, let me say, I believe wholeheartedly in a plan, in a system, in a strategy. Without that, you're just like winging it and you then you don't know what's working so you can't build on that success, right? Okay. And at the same time, something that has helped me be successful is listening to and acting on my intuition, mm. even if it didn't the intuition didn't make sense on paper. So I've always walked the line of balancing the Capricorn in me, right, who has Mm -hmm. a plan and a checklist. And I look at my numbers with also listening to my intuition because, and we'll talk about this later, for me, if my heart is not really in it and I don't feel purposeful, Mm -hmm. the plan just feels like work instead of this easy roadmap. So I shut it down. I hired for the first time a real assistant instead of, I don't know if you ever, probably not, but I used to hire someone to meet an immediate need instead of hire someone to help me grow.
1: A lot of businesses do that. Even like in corporate, some companies, they do
0: that. So I hired an assistant who knew more about Infusionsoft than I did, right? Yeah. <laughs> and who, yeah. who just really had a, could help me grow the business. Yeah. And we did. I expanded into multiple cities outside of Los Angeles and really took my workshops through the roof. But here's the
1: thing, though. This is what I want to ask you. Be- the difference between your first business and your second business, because mm-hmm. you grew your first business also quite fast, and but the second business has a different mindset. Can you explain a little bit? Is it the growth mindset? Is it... Uh, the abundance mindset, like, what is the difference? Because both businesses grew really fast, hitting six figures really quickly. Yeah. But there is a difference here.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about the mindset, but then I also would love to just share why. Yeah, I, it, please. It's a, it's a system for referrals and it just yeah. has worked for me my whole career. Yeah. So I just, I didn't even believe, I just knew that the biz, the second business would be really successful. I just didn't ever assume that it wouldn't because the purpose behind it was so clear and inspiring to me. I almost felt propelled to move forward toward it. And I knew that I had done it before with zero clue about how to run a business. So why now with the knowledge that I had and the support that I had, would I not be able to repeat it? But here's the big thing that allowed me to believe that. And it's something that I teach my clients now who are coaches. From the beginning, so I told you about that first client I had named Jeff Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and how when I got results for him, the entire acting studio became a client overnight. Mm -hmm. I realized the power of word of mouth referrals from that. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that word of mouth referrals was something that I could generate rather than just sit back and wait for them to come to me. So I a lot of coaches in particular, because that's the audience that I serve. Mm-hmm. I don't have to convince you that referrals are awesome. They're like the best leads to come in are referrals, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people assume that referrals, they either happen or they don't, or it's, it's accidental. You can't control whether or not someone is going to send you business. Mm-hmm. And that has not been my experience. So I, from the very beginning, I created a very simple, user-friendly, structured referral system. Mm -hmm. to excite my current clients, to actually send people my way without paying them commission or anything like that. So I had the steady flow of referrals coming in. And the result of that was I became the most talked about coach, like business coach for actors in the industry. And people would often say to me, you know, every actor I know talks about you. And I thought, yeah, that's because I teach them how to talk about me. So it was this, there was a lot of structure behind generating word of mouth buzz. And the thing about word of mouth buzz is once it's started, it keeps, keeps going. So closing down the first business and moving fully into coaching, I had no doubt that I would be able to rapidly take that to six figures because I had this very simple, structured, proven referral system. And basically, you know, without going too much into it, but so if I have a private client, right, or if I had a group class, I would host a free event giving people a taste of what it would be like to work with me. And I would invite my clients to invite their friends to this free event. And at the free event, I was very good at selling, right, into my programs. So about 50% of the room would sign up for my next program. And then I would rinse and repeat that the next time I sold the class. And I would rinse and repeat that. So four times a year, I taught a program to actors that had about 120 students in it at a time. And it would just repeat itself because I didn't just hope for referrals or ask for referrals. I created time sensitivity. So people, instead of thinking, yeah, if someone ever asks me, of course, you're the person I'll recommend they would actively be seeking out opportunities to share. You know, so when we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I evolved and no longer wanted to serve actors. So a couple of years ago, I launched full-time my coaching practice and it filled just immediately because I know how to bring in referrals. So you asked about the mindset piece Mm -hmm. and I think it's two parts. Yes, there is this mindset and this Willingness to listen to my intuition and to act on it, but also like believe in what's possible. But I also had this system. system again in place that I just knew worked. So that's the thing that gave me the confidence to really believe in possibility. You mentioned earlier about that marriage between the mindset and the systems, mm-hmm. and this is another So this, is, this
1: is another one. So your yeah. second business and then your third business are all following that yep. same path. Yeah. It's combining your mindset with the system.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I might be preaching to the choir, definitely with you, I'm preaching to the choir, but also for your listeners, this word system, immediately, most of us go to complicated Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's gotta be complicated and it has to take up a, a part of my brain that I'm not used to using. I find in my business, my systems are so simple and easily repeatable. So just because you have a system doesn't mean it has to be complicated. A system is essentially a routine that gives you feedback to reveal where you are in your process.
1: Does it require planning though? Because normally something that is simple to create like a simple system. I know you already created this. You know, when you created this, I think this is also going back to finance or money, you know, Mm -hmm. like everybody, it's not complicated. And then the system that you say to me that you created for your business and it has been proven over and over again, it's simple, but I'm pretty sure at some point along the journey, you put a lot of thought process on that. You do some kind of planning. Don't you teach your client how to plan it? How is it going to work for them? Because their business is not the same as you, right? Like even like to get one person, the first person, and then for them to refer that.
0: I agree with you, but I, for me, it's planning. I don't want to say it's experiential planning. So my system over time got more and more refined mm-hmm. because I could start to predict the numbers. I said earlier how about 50% of the room would then sign up for my next program. Yeah. So now, because I have that feedback, if I want 120 people in my next program, I know I need to host enough free events right? Mm-hmm. For 240 people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that number in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, it was just, let me ask some people to refer their friends. Let's have them show up, mm-hmm. right? So I had the simple system so that mm-hmm. I could get the feedback I needed to refine it. And I think I, the point I wanted to make was a lot of people think they need to start with a refined system, but mm-hmm. you don't have enough feedback yet to mm-hmm. know how to refine it.
1: So you have to be willing to pass.
0: Yeah. In public.
1: so you have to be willing to test and be visible and you know overcome that fear that maybe it's not gonna work before you can refine it that's what you're saying
0: absolutely and for me air quotes here but the failures right the the tests that don't go well that's where I learned the most So, so there is, I guess my encouragement is let your system be simple so you can get started and get the data you need to then perfect and refine Mm it instead of just disappearing at your laptop for months on end, figuring out a system before you go and actually test it with the market, because you Uh. won't know how it works until you're actually doing it.
1: Okay. So on your second business, I believe you brought that business to seven figures. $47
0: $47 shy of seven figures. Oh. <laughs> I laugh. Okay. I laugh. I'm like, I should have just bought something from myself, right?
1: <laughs> $47. Oh my God. Okay. That's when funny. was this Dallas? Like a yeah. five years? Like,
0: yes. Yeah, so my daughter was born in 2012. Uh, okay. So it was 2012. She was born December of 2012.
1: Okay. Then I know something shift in you. And then you decided... To scale down and then mm-hmm. eventually close your second business and then, con- you know, basically concentrating on your current business right now. So the yeah. after one is gone and then now you're helping coaches. Now, can you please share a lot of entrepreneurs? One, they are afraid to scale down, mm-hmm. right? Why did you want to scale down? And then when you say scale down, is that mean that now you're lowering down your revenue? Or are you saying I am scaling down on my capacity, but still trying to figure out a way on how I can keep that seven figures?
0: Yeah. So for me, my values shifted becoming a mom. What I used to value was I got such, and I still do, but I would I got such a thrill out of working that it didn't it didn't matter to me if that every weekend I was teaching a weekend intensive. So this business model, we were at seven figures, but it was mm-hmm. all, none of it was, I shouldn't say none of it. It was scaled a little bit because I was doing these group programs, mm-hmm. but none of it, I, like, I had to show up and teach mm-hmm. the classes, right? So in the group, like the group, group program itself. Okay. Yeah, it was a large group program, but it wasn't a self-guided program. I had to show up <sighs> and teach a week after week.
1: Online or yeah. in person? Mm-hmm. Online,
0: okay. Online. And so before my daughter was born, I had very clear goals about having an abundance of money. That was the motivator. When my daughter was born, what I wanted was an abundance of time. Mm -hmm. Time became so much more valuable to me than money. So I did a couple of things. Mm -hmm. I just looked at what I can automate in order to give myself more time. But the main thing I did was I looked at my overhead and got really clear about where I was overspending. The year after my daughter was born, our business revenue, I took almost nine months off. Mm -hmm. The business revenue was still $500,000, which was the goal. So we cut our revenue in half. Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: hardly worked that year, but I paid myself the same amount as I had the prior year when we made twice the revenue.
1: It's key, isn't it? Because you are not the first one that that say this to me, like yeah. so many of my guests, you know, that's why I thought it's very interesting to touch that point. Scaling down, if you're only looking at the top line, your yeah. revenue alone, it seems like your revenue, you say you cut it in half, but look at your take-home pay or look at your the hourly rate that you are charging. I'm assuming it's higher because you said you cut down your overhead.
0: Yeah, so the, I paid myself exactly the same amount to the penny, and I took nine months off.
1: And then you reduce your hours.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't work for all, almost the entire year. And then you're still making the same amount yeah. of money. Yeah. Even so though I you're
1: cutting down revenue. So, listener, this is where I want to point out, okay? You're cutting down your revenue, but Dallas is still able to pay herself the same amount of money and then not working or let's say working last night. So it's possible. Let's unpack this Dallas. Like mm-hmm. what are the steps that you did to make sure that you are still making the same amount of money, even though you're working less?
0: So when it came to my cash flow forecast for the year, right in the year planning, yeah. the first, what I terrible habit that I developed back when there was no money, yeah. right in early, in the very early days was, Oh my God, there's something extra I can pay myself. And then that lasted way longer than it should have, right? Where I just paid myself. We had a big, if we had a big successful launch, I got a big successful bonus, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just like the money that was in, I would pay for business things and whatever extra was mine. I broke myself of that habit because that, if you want to have your confidence, take a hit, run your business that way. Because I just never really knew where I stood right? I didn't really look at my numbers. So I got good at my numbers. And so the first thing I did was, all right, I want to pay myself $350,000 for the year. Okay. So that's what I'm paying me. Now, Mm -hmm. how can I structure my, my business in order to pay me that and have the business be operable? So where was my biggest overhead? One of the things was the credit card fees Mm-hmm. that Wells Fargo, I will name them, <laughs> was charging me. I ended up saving just under $40,000 a year simply by negotiating a better credit card fee a credit card processing fee with my bank. 40 grand, Christina. 40 grand. Yeah. That's Which awesome. is bananas, right? Okay. And then I my team, we, we all worked in a physical space. Great. Mm-hmm. I was paying $4,000 a month for this beautiful office, which I needed a bigger space because I still had some in-person workshops. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the workshops. Everything's going online. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to start working virtually. So there's another $4,000 a month that I was saving myself. That is like 48,000 a year. Yeah. So there's 88 grand <sighs> making two adjustments. And they were things that I didn't perceive I could do anything about, right? Because I was so in the routine of my business and yeah, we're doing these in-person workshops. Of course, I need this space. So scaling down required me to ask the question, how can I relate to every aspect of my business differently in order to have the lifestyle that I want? And what I wanted was to be home and still be able to uh, pay myself what I had grown accustomed to.
1: Yeah. speechless <laughs> because you know what like when you start thinking what you are saying and then what I heard you said is that okay what are my value uh-huh. what are the most important things for me let's make it work but make it work with a plan how yeah. is this gonna impact because one takeaway that I what I really love about what you are saying you basically say I still want the same lifestyle. I still want to be able to give me the same amount of income. And then in order for do that, a lot of people started to think what you are exactly doing is streamlining your process, looking at your number, streamlining your process, right? A lot of entrepreneurs, the mistake is that I know a lot of entrepreneurs, not many are thinking of scaling down like you Mm -hmm. do. They're thinking about scaling up, but the the problem is that when they're thinking about that scaling up, the first thing is that you're they're thinking about their revenue. How can I get more revenue? Instead yeah. of thinking, how can I get paid more and working less yeah. with something that I love? Because when people start thinking like that, you know what's going to happen? That's exactly what you are talking about. You have to start thinking: How can I streamline my business? How can I streamline my process to make it work? for me, yeah. instead of, you know, f- following other people. So awesome on that. Now, the other angle that I want you to share, okay, so mm-hmm. you scale down. And then I also heard you say that you say you close down mm-hmm. one aspect of your business, which is working with actor. Yeah. So how is that impact you financially? And then what was your exit strategy?
0: Yeah, good. I'm glad you're asking this question because I didn't have a good exit strategy. And so I think we can all learn from my, I don't want to call it a mistake. No, from my, it's a lesson, my, you know, experience. yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah, so things evolved, right? And I started to have coaches seek me out to ask me to teach them how to do what they had seen me do. Yeah. And oh, that was just the entrepreneur in me was so excited to have something new. And I'm very good at that. And I just mm-hmm. had evolve. I had grown less and less, enchanted by the entertainment industry. So it became really clear to me shortly after my daughter was born that I was ready for the next thing. But I'm going to go backwards for a moment because I remember kind of at the height of all of it, I was at this mastermind day and there was a woman there whose expertise were helping women sell their businesses. Mm -hmm. And she, I mean... the. I heard her say that, and she might as well have been speaking in Swahili to me. In my mind, I was like, what are you talking about? Why would I want to sell my business? I did not get it at all, right? And her whole point was, whether you want to sell your business or not, to build it so that you have the choice later on is the way to build your business. And I still was like, goobly gobbly, I don't even know what you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) okay right at the time I just there was nothing I loved more than this business so fast forward to actually just June of last year so uh, my coaching and consulting business was growing and I for there were a few years where I had two businesses and again I found myself needing to recalibrate based on my values right and I wanted more time at home and I just was ready to be done with the entertainment industry. So I made the decision to close that business down. Here's the mistake that I made. I waited until I was done with it, just over it, tired of it. So I just didn't even have the energy to think about selling it, to think about like exiting uh, in a profitable way. I Mm -hmm. just was like, okay, we're done. The end of this month, goodbye, everybody. Now I had this other business, so financially I knew I was going to be fine.
1: So your actor one, that was an online program?
0: Yeah. At that stage, it was all okay. online offerings. Okay. So if I had it to do again, mm-hmm. I would have listened to this woman I met probably seven years ago and just starting to relate. Again, it's all about how I was relating to my business. And I would have begun shifting the structure of my business so that I always had a choice about whether or not I still wanted to be there. Because the way the business was built, my face and name was so enmeshed in the business. Without me there, there wasn't really anything to sell. Mm -hmm. And I was just done. I didn't care. (laughs) And it's because it felt like it was going to be a lot of work because I hadn't built my business with the end in mind. Now, I was lucky, like I said, because I had this other business where I could land, which made the exit easier. But what about those people out there who are ready for the next thing, but they haven't started it yet? So do
1: you think, do you believe in hindsight, you should have thought about exit strategy like a long time ago? But how you didn't know if your value are going to change, though. You didn't know if totally. you're going to feel done. You, you were feeling done working with the actors or did you think about it? at that time, seven years ago, but you were like saying like, what, what is this exit strategy? Why do I need to do some, that kind of
0: planning? All of the above. Right. Mm-hmm. So at the time when I learned about exit strategy, uh, no, I wasn't, there was no way I, I could have foreseen how much I would change as a person. Right. Okay. Okay. But there were signs that I was changing as a person when I wasn't totally over the business yet that I could have acted on and I didn't. So when it was time and that business was, it's kind of a shame because those programs aren't serving actors the way that they used to. (laughs) Um, and I could have, it could have been a very profitable transition for me instead of just closing the doors. So you pretty much just closed the door. Yes. I made an announcement. I'm like, I'm retiring for this next month. Here are all of my courses. Any of them that you don't have, you can buy this month for a hundred dollars. Bye-bye. So my lesson around the exit strategy is, hmm, maybe you should have one.
1: <laughs> there, there, yeah. I think, I think it's very important. You First, you should have one, especially if your business is growing, yeah. right? And then, you know, you have like, you have a good program over there. somebody, or it's, it's called like you already built a goodwill. You already built yes. people that are interested in taking that program. Yeah. So definitely there yes. is gotta, like this is gonna be geeking out about the finance firm here. It's, gonna be, <laughs> <laughs> it's about how you think about the valuation of your company or your right. program. You know, you can do some kind of like, well, you're always gonna do like a projection and then, when you are ready to sell it, a buyer is going to pay you for everything that you have built, your investment and the future growth.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's all a lesson. And the, the, so my takeaway from that, how can I design my life? But how yes. can I design my business? Yes. So I always feel like I have choices. Yes. Right. So yes. the exit strategy for me, it turned me off because how could I ever not love this? I get it but great. I can love it forever. And I'll probably love it more if I knew I could leave when I wanted to. Yes. That was the big takeaway for me. So, so. okay.
1: Now, based on that big, big takeaway, Dallas, like how do you change your, your mindset about exit strategy with your current business? Have you implemented something
0: different? Yeah. So my business, I rely a lot on my numbers now, right? Like could, is it something if I don't, show up today and turn my computer on. Also, just I'm much more mindful about how that business is branded so that it isn't so reliant on me, the personality, Mm. so that it can kind of live and breathe beside me rather than us being united. Um, Mm. So that, because another issue with the previous business was yeah, I had all of these great courses and I had attached the value of the program so much to me, the person just in the way it was all marketed that without me, the perceived value really wasn't there. So that's, that's been the big shift for me is how can I build this from the beginning where it's a separate entity Mm. from me rather than it being me. Okay. Got it. So this is a, this is a good opportunity. So what is your current business model? I love helping coaches do what I what I've been able to create. So I think in step-by-step processes yeah. and a lot of my clients are coaches who could so easily, Christina, be well into six figures if they just took two steps back and started stopped operating their business like this month to month mentality and started implementing systems to play a longer game. So that's really what I help clients do and the main the for me the starting point there is to create a referral system. Mm. That has been such a key to success in all three of my businesses and I feel like any any coach or even online entrepreneur if you do not have a referral system that you feel you can turn on and off like a water faucet, Mm -hmm. you're missing opportunities in your business. There's all this talk about online funnels and webinars and Facebook ads and all of these fancy things that you can create. And yes, I use them in my business. Mm -hmm. But the foundation before all of that is creating strong word of mouth buzz. So that's really where we begin. It's that's in a program of mine called client surge. Mm -hmm. But then I work with coaches. I love the person to person interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I believe in building your business out in layers. Another mistake I see a lot of coaches make is they, I'm going to start a coaching business and I'm going to make a course (laughs) and -hmm. they kind of skip all of these steps require you to be more hands-on with, clients first. Because if you're not working with clients one-on-one, you don't really know what people need in a course. Mm. It's also really hard to fill a course if you don't have a really big list. So Mm -hmm. think big, start small, move quickly, right? (laughs) Okay. So with my clients, I I do one-on-one mentorship or small group mentorship so that they get expert hands-on advice at a level higher than a lot of those self-guided courses out there.
1: Okay. So do you offer any online courses at all or group coaching? Like how is it just one-on-one?
0: No. So I have my online courses called client surge. Mm -hmm. It's a self-guided program with monthly calls with me. So people Mm -hmm. still get my insight and advice. And that program is really about building out a referral system Mm -hmm. and enrolling clients without selling to clients. So it's designed for coaches who just feel allergic Mm -hmm. (laughs) to Mm -hmm. sales. And -hmm. then I have small group coaching that I call my six figure coach club power groups. Mm -hmm. So I work with groups of four and we Mm -hmm. meet every other week for two hours where everyone gets 30 minutes with me in that small group environment. And this is great because if you're coming up against six figures, right, if you're, or you're in low sixes, oftentimes we just don't know what we don't know. So in that small group, my clients get a lot of insight just by observing what their peers are being coached around. And then there's another like one-on-one offering there, but those are my... Uh, so
1: online course first. And then yeah. after that, the group coaching with four, which is, I think that's a very good number. A lot of group coaching yeah. over there are big numbers. Four is a good one because yeah, they I can get four. the attention, right? Like, and then you also feel like you can give them the attention. And then the third one, the highest level, is your one-on-one program.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, along all this journey, the 15 years journey, what really surprised you about finance, about business finance?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. What surprised me? Yeah. The answer I want to give isn't really about surprising me, so let me start here and then we'll see. The thing that made the biggest difference was shifting budgeting based on what I have to budgeting based on what I was creating. And here's what I mean by that. I said it earlier, but if I have a great month, great, I get paid more. And then I can buy a new laptop or like money in, money out. So here's the surprise. Mm -hmm. The misbelief I had early on in my business was the more money I make, the fewer, the less stress I'll have. Right, Or the the more opportunities I can create. Making more money will just solve my problems. Your problems. Your right? cash
1: problems or right? your money problem.
0: When in fact, it was the habits that solved the cash problems. So if I have bad habits, making $800 a month, if I don't change those habits, I'm going to experience the same stress when I'm making $8,000 a month. Yes. Right? So that was the biggest shift for me is understanding that it's not about the money, it's about my relationship to the money and the habits that we can create today, whether you have a lot of extra cash flow or none at all.
1: Thank you for that, because that's what I believe as well. Because Mm -hmm. the way I see it, like you start with the foundation, you need to have a bookkeeper, you need to be able, you need to be able to look at your number without fear and then take, doesn't matter how ugly your numbers, you have to be able to make it as a friend. The second layer is what you're talking about. It's the habits. If you do not know how to manage $800, you wouldn't know how to manage your six figures or your seven figures. The money is still going to go out like water out there. You have to be able to have a process to manage your little money, your $800 then you can implement that in a bigger number. The last layer, I believe you really need to have like a long-term planning, like what you are saying, thinking about instead of just like letting what's the money coming in, but plan how much do I really need? How much do I really want? And then how can I get there? Do like a long-term financial goals, like what you are doing. Mm -hmm. So, that's that's really powerful. Now, where people can find you, Dallas?
0: Yeah, the best place to find me is my name. So, on all my social media handles, it's Dallas Travers. My website is dallastravers.com. So, that makes it really easy.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Dallas, for being here. This has been great. Thank
0: you. You're welcome
1: you so much for joining me here every week at Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women's entrepreneurs. Head on over to christinashahlicom forward slash Her CEO Journey to subscribe for this podcast. And don't forget to tell other women entrepreneurs that this podcast is available for free in the podcast apps of their choice. Until next time, and let's continue to grow a business that fuels the life that you want to live.